Good evening to my listeners. You are listening to the Fierce Igbo Women's Initiative podcast with your host, Ugochi Onyewu. Welcome to the show. Welcome to this podcast where we interview Igbo women and friends of Igbo culture from different walks of life. Today, I speak with the simply astounding Ndidiamaka Okoli, who is the president, owner, and founder of Olive Tree Compounding Pharmacy. Ndidiamaka grew up in the California Bay Area with a traditional and loving family who instilled in her a love for her culture. Dr. Ndidiamaka Okoli began her professional career after graduating with honors from the University of New Mexico College of Pharmacy in the class of 2008. She embarked on her dream to become an entrepreneur in January 2016, and her vision is to ameliorate the provision of customized pharmaceutical care one client at a time. Olive Tree Compounding Pharmacy helps patients optimize their quality of life by maximizing therapeutic success with creative and individualized compound medications. Ndidiamaka's journey is one of a tenacious, relentless, God-fearing woman who is goal-oriented and purpose-driven. We uncovered so many valuable nuggets in this discussion and you are in for such a treat. Three particular quotes stand out to me. The first one is by Steve Harvey, who says that we all come with a parachute, but if we do not take a leap, how will we know if the parachute will catch us? The second quote is by Martin Luther King Jr., who said that no work that you do is insignificant. The third quote is by Ndidiamaka herself, who says that whatever we do should be done well. Through servant leadership, we can make an impact in our communities and the world. We discussed the powerful illustration her godmother gave her of the knife and the yam. Hi, Ndidiamaka. Good evening. How are you? Hello. Good evening. I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me today. Yeah, it's a pleasure. I'm so, so excited to speak to you today. I think this is going to be such a fun chat. So thank you for joining today. I'm going to kick it off the way that we always do, just so the audience can get to know you a little bit better. Maybe you can just give us a little bit of background. Where were you born? What part of Igbo land are you from originally? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. So I was born and raised in San Jose, California. I'm a first generation Nigerian American. Um, I hail from Anambra State, from Obu Village. Um, And yeah, my parents came to the States after the Civil War. My dad was a soldier in the war. Hmm. um, And he came in seek of, you know, greater opportunities. And this is where me and my siblings were born. How many siblings do you have? So I have three brothers and one sister and I'm right in the middle. (laughs) <laughs> sounds good sounds good so tell us I mean obviously since you were born in the U.S. clearly your your parents did a great job of instilling the Igbo culture in you so maybe tell us a little bit about what life was like growing up in an Igbo household yeah I think you know my parents did the best with um with what they had you know with what they knew mm-hmm. and so we were raised very very um 
you know, like in a traditional fashion. Um, we all know our culture very well. Um, of course, we ate our native foods. Mm. I mean, just, you know, I, I have memories of bringing classmates home from school and then the smell of oporoco when we open the door, it's like, oh gosh, you know, <laughs> they're like, wow, what, do, what kind of food do you guys eat? <laughs> you know, um, Igbo music, you know, my dad was very traditional. And so he played a lot of not just Igbo music, actually, even, you know, just in general, African music. I remember growing up, we had this tape of Sukus stars. Mm. Uh, which is, you know, more like Congolese music. Yeah. Um, you know, we had that tape stuck in my dad's car. And so we take these drives like from San Jose to Oakland or San Francisco or Tracy, you know, and that's all we listen to. Mm -hmm. um, you know, every Nigerian, whether it was a woman or a man, was auntie or uncle, whether mm -hmm. we were related or not. Mm -hmm. um, and actually, it wasn't until we grew up and became older that we figured, like, oh, so that person is actually not related to us. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, you know, we had an extended family, a mm -hmm. lot of cousins. Uh, we attended a lot of events. Mm -hmm. So we're always going to weddings, baby showers. Um, but the one thing that I found is that it's a little bit different from my upbringing when I compare myself to other um you know ebos in my generation um we actually did not have a strong foundation in catholicism or even mm -hmm. the church my parents mm -hmm. were strong believers but we didn't attend mass on a regular basis or we didn't go to church on a regular basis mm -hmm. you know so anytime you know my dad felt it necessary he would pull out a bible sit us down and talk to us about the word what the word says mm -hmm. um but we didn't necessarily have, you know, a, a routine in our home. Mm -hmm. A lot of Igbos have that Catholic um, upbringing, mm -hmm. right? And mm -hmm. I, I'm not exactly sure. It seems like in Nigeria, the Igbo tribe seems to be the, that seems to have the most Catholics. I don't know if that's true and why that is, but, but it's interesting mm -hmm. that you bring that up. Yeah, so, <laughs> so you were raised, you know, obviously in the faith, in the Christian faith, but not necessarily in a traditional Catholic way of going to Mass every Sunday. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit about, you know, you talked about different events, going to different events like baby showers and weddings and things like that. Talk to me about a particular event that stands out the most to you from Igbo culture and why? Maybe a traditional wedding in the U.S. or even at home in Nigeria or, you know, anything, christening and, and why, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think Christmas was probably the most lavish time of our lives you know my dad was well known throughout the bay area and so our home and events that my dad put together were were kind of like a central meeting place for a lot of people in the bay area mm. um and i just remember christmas just being so extravagant mm. you know with the, the food and you know parties people coming together just just so much joy um and, you know, my home was kind of the center of it all. Mm. Um, and so, you know, that, that kind of grounded me and my siblings, you know, that grounded our family um, in our culture because, you know, we were kind of the icons, right, so to speak. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I know that makes sense. You know, people always talk about the food. Of course, it's so interesting how we kind of associate <laughs> favorite events yes. somehow with the food, right? Jollof rice. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the only soup. thing that, 
Yeah, the only thing that our parents didn't give us that um, we all as adults that we kind of regret is, you know, the language. None of us speak Igbo, you know, and of the five of us, I think I'm probably the one that maybe hears the most. Mm -hmm. Um, But if I answer you, I'll answer you in English. And that's Mm -hmm. even if I understand you to begin with, Yes, (laughs) you know, Um, but, you know, the funny thing is they didn't give us the language because they felt it necessary to use that as a mode of communication when they didn't want us to understand something. Um, And, you know, actually it was to our detriment, you know, Um, because Mm -hmm. now we're, we're, that kind of removes us just a little bit more than we would have been if we did speak the language. Mm. But the good thing now is that, you know, a lot of Igbos, young Igbos in my generation, you know, there are now Igbo classes that they they formulated, you know, there are things online, there are stories, there are books, Mm -hmm. there are shows on YouTube, you Mm -hmm. know. So Mm -hmm. with my children, I'm trying to make sure that I incorporate that as much as I can Mm -hmm. into their daily routine. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that's an interesting point. I was going to ask you about the language, actually. I'm glad you brought that up because to your point, right, you can still instill, of course, the language is an integral part of the culture, but you can still instill a love of Igbo culture in your children and even yourself, right? Even if you're not fluent or you hardly speak the language, some people may think it's an all or nothing, you know, well, I don't speak Igbo, so there's no point kind of thing, right? You can Mm -hmm. still love a culture and be ingrained in it, even if you don't speak the language. And then, you know, of course, like to your point, you can still learn. There's There's so many different resources out there. You may not be fluent, but at least you may have a greater awareness or your children might because of all the resources that are available. So I'm glad you talked about that because that's important. Mm-hmm. That's an important note. And it's a way of encouraging the audience, those of us in the audience that may be listening and think, well, I don't speak the language. There's no point. It's not an all or nothing, right? You can love the culture and kind of learn more about it. And then the, the language will come when it comes, right? So, right, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, and you know, that's just part of you. That's something about you that you can't deny, mm. right? Like mm-hmm. I cannot say because I was born and bred in the United States, that that makes me less of an evil person, right? Yes, I, yes. I mean, I, I, I'm, I will forever be connected to my father's land, to my heritage. Mm-hmm. You know, it's in my blood. So mm. no one can deny me that. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I can't deny myself that. Yeah. You know? um, yeah. So yeah. it's a beautiful thing. I mm-hmm. actually, I, I really embrace who I am. I love who I am. It's kind of like I got the best of both worlds. Um, mm. you know, and I, I just grew up and sometimes, you know, it, it was confusing <laughs> to grow up as an American, but then when you get home, you're like 100% Nigerian, you know, sometimes mm. it, it plays tricks on your mind, but mm. you know, as an adult, when I look back, I'm like, wow, this was really the best of both worlds. Yes. The best of both worlds. I love it. That's such a great way to, to describe it. I agree completely. Yeah. Good kudos to you. <laughs> of course, you've come a long way <laughs> since mm-hmm. I'd love for you to maybe talk us through your journey to where you are today, what it is that you're doing now. And I'd love to kind of segue uh, into that because I think that's so interesting and I'd love for you to speak about that. I don't know. When I look at my life, I like to think that, you know, my journey is one of a tenacious, relentless, God-fearing woman. That's Mm. how I would put it. Mm. Um, I'm super goal-oriented, purpose-driven, you know, and uh, just started off 
humble, <laughs> I guess. Mm -hmm. And now I'm in this phase of kind of like, oh, I can do this. I can do this. I can branch off and do this. You know, now I'm seeing the world for what it is and all the opportunities that are at my feet. Mm. Um, but we relocated from San Jose, California uh, when I was 14. So at the beginning of high school, we moved to Albuquerque. So check this. My dad, being the evil man that he is, his company came to him and said, you know, Mr. Okoli, we can, we can move you to Hawaii or you can go to Albuquerque, New huh. Mexico. <laughs> and he chose Albuquerque <laughs> of the two. <laughs> so that's how my family and I, <laughs> that's how we relocated from California to Albuquerque. But it actually turned out to be um, one of the best decisions that my dad made, at least for me, hmm. um, Currently, I'm the only one of my of of my siblings. I'm the only one that lives here. You know, mm. they, the others have gone on, but for mm. me, it has really worked out well. Um, so, I stayed here in New Mexico, and I attended the uh, University of New Mexico College of Pharmacy. I graduated mm. in 2008 with my Doctor of Pharmacy, mm. um, and I've been practicing pharmacy since. Um, I left New Mexico for a bit. I went to Charleston, South Carolina, and then I ended up coming back. Um, and when I came back, I established my own um, independent compounding only pharmacy. So talk to us about your independent compounding pharmacy. What do you do? Tell the audience, for those of, uh, of us that are not familiar with what that is, maybe talk to us a little bit more about that. Yeah, it's actually quite interesting because all throughout my career, um, I actually had no experience in the field that I'm in now. Mm. Um, so how I ended up here is, is simply just a gift from God and being willing to answer the call that was on my life. Mm. Um, I just saw a great opportunity here. There was some empty land and there was some brand new development happening in the city of Rio Rancho, New Mexico. I used to commute, you know, through Bernalillo, Rio Rancho and Albuquerque, I would commute and I said, you know, what if I took this opportunity? You know, sometimes we look at life and, and it becomes so routine. You know, you just get into a mode where it doesn't yes. really require any energy from you. Yes, yes, <laughs> Or yes. any thinking, you know, yes. you just, you just kind of do things out of routine. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I was at a point in my career, nine years as a pharmacist. And in that ninth year, I said, you know, I have to do something different. Either mm -hmm. I tackle this thing or it tackles me one of us is going down. <laughs> um, so I decided to, you know, put a business plan together, seek out um, funding and establish this pharmacy. So Olive Tree Compounding Pharmacy established in uh, 2017. Hmm. What I do in my business is I make specialized therapy for men, women, children, and animals. Hmm. So these are individualized medications. These are things that you cannot find at CVS, at Walgreens. You know, these are highly specialized medications mm. um, for my clients and, you know, people in my community. Mm. So as a compound pharmacist, I take raw ingredients, I mix them together, and I come up with a prescription or a medication mm. that a patient would use for, for whatever ailment they need, you know. The way, that I, the way that I see it is we are all different. So why should we use a one-size-fits-all model to yes. cure and treat ourselves. Right. You know? Wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so, so that's basically my, uh, my niche. 
Interesting, interesting. I don't think, obviously, I, I have no knowledge of pharmacy, but I don't think I've ever met or spoken to a compound pharmacist. So this is amazing. I'm so, Thank so interested. <laughs> Talk to us about some of the challenges with running your own business. First of all, maybe a step back. Talk to us about some of the challenges that you encountered just acquiring the land and, and building and getting set up and, and, and talk to us about that and how you've seen how God has kind of taken you through that process. I'd love to hear about that. Definitely. You know, doing something like this, it really requires the leap of faith. Mm-hmm. You know, this was when I really understood what leap of faith meant. Mm. You know, I put it, I used to listen to Steve Harvey and just a lot of comedy because again, I was going through this routine part of my life that just Mm. wasn't satisfying. And so when I would come home, I would need something to make me laugh and put joy into my spirit. So Mm -hmm. comedy did it for me, listening to inspirational speakers. Steve Harvey, he said one time, you know, we all come with a parachute, but Mm. if you never jump, if you never take the opportunity, if you never try, if you never believe in yourself, how will you know whether or not your parachute will catch you? Wow. And I said, wow, okay, wow. That's, that's pretty profound. So yes. I'm going to jump. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I just felt like this is my time to jump. And, you know, God is a God who doesn't fail. He doesn't lie. Mm. Um, and so I just really um, grabbed the bull by the horns. And I said, you know, God, if I fail, <laughs> it's really you that they will come after because yeah. <laughs> I'm claiming yes. that you are my God, yes. you know? So it was really me trusting in God, um, putting all of my faith in God and just believing that this plan, this, this dream, this vision that I had would come to manifest. Hmm. Um, and then, you know, on top of that, I also had to do a lot of the work, hmm. um, And so, you know, diving into business is not an easy thing. I don't Mm. have an MBA. Um, I knew nothing about business, business Mm. management, business operation. I knew nothing about it. And so I just found myself learning um, one step at a time. And I made sure to take a slow pace and not to run into something that, you know, I I really didn't understand. Yes. you know, so so some of the challenges were really, you know, finding funding. I was mm-hmm. told no, I don't know how many times. I just stopped counting. Yes. Um, you know, <laughs> until I finally, you know, met that one person who actually did not want any information from me except for my name, my social, my I mean, as soon as this lady saw me, she just said, Oh, we are getting you this money. You wow. know, <laughs> this yes. is something that we need. I don't yes. know where you've been all this time. Time, wow. but you need to get this money and she connected with underwriter and she was truly just god sent wow. but but it was challenging even going through the build out phase building a pharmacy i knew mm. nothing about working with a general contractor mm. or an architect mm. and those were things that i just had to find out mm. you know they would look to me for regulations you know what does the board of pharmacy say and i mm. would have to give them that information you know mm. um so it was a lot of researching for me a lot of reading Um, And a lot of, you know, implementing things that I read, things that I understood, you know, and putting it into live action, Mm. you know, Um, Mm. all the while, you know, working two jobs. Um, Wow. And actually, at this time, I I had become a, a, you know, a new single mother of three Mm. boys who are now 10, 9 and 6. But, you know, just juggling all 
all of this, <laughs> you know, but I just give God all the glory because it, yes. it turned out to be something so beautiful. Yes. Oh my goodness. That's, um, yeah, that's, uh, we always think that a miracle is like, I don't know, you see like a flash in the sky or something, <laughs> but miracles happen in the everyday. And it's when you look back, you're like, that was a miracle. This sounds very much like a miracle to me. <laughs> so, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Because how yeah. else are you able to do it all, right? It's, it's just not humanly possible, but you are able to do it and um, somehow got it done. So kudos mm-hmm. to you and, of course, uh, glory to God for that. Mm-hmm. So what keeps you going? Because I know that even though you had a, a ton of challenges getting started, there are challenges every day. I know that it's a challenge. What keeps you going in spite of the challenges? What is your why? Um, whenever I, I, you know, get a question like this, I always think of my father, my dad. You know, mm. my dad was a very, like, tenacious human being. Mm. You know, almost like, you know, he would not stand for defeat. Nothing can defeat him, mm. you know. And I think that's the spirit that he passed on to myself and, and also my siblings. Whenever a challenge comes my way, I just feel like, number one, the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. Mm-hmm. So this is not mm-hmm. anything new. It's not anything, you know, just because of me, this is happening. No, I don't see it that way. Mm-hmm. And I just feel that, you know, we live in a world full of possibilities. So when mm-hmm. a challenge comes, there has to be a way Mm. to overcome this challenge you know because of everything that I've been through I've kind of just developed this spirit of an overcomer a tenacious Mm. person a a go-getter it's Mm. just in me you know there's nothing that staggers me there's nothing that stops me in my tracks Mm. you know especially as I get older as I operate out of wisdom rather than emotions or you know fear I use wisdom in a lot of the decisions that I make. And then when I see the outcome, it, it just it just fuels me even more, mm. you know? Mm. So yeah, that's that's mm. kind of what, what keeps me going. Wow. Tenacity is definitely a word I would use to describe you. I am curious though, Ndidiamaka, mm-hmm. having gone through this process and of course going through it every day, what would you do differently? If you had to do it all again, are there some things you'd do differently or would you do it exactly the same way? The only thing that I would do different about my life is I wouldn't have gotten married when I got married. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, when we as women, when we marry at such, you know, tender and young ages, we, we miss out on a discovery process of who we are you know, and what our calling is, what our purpose is, and who we are meant to become. Hmm. Um, and I think, you know, those, those years that I, that I was married, I think that's where I kind of got lost a little bit. Hmm. Um, I lost my vision and I lost my dreams because I remember sitting in pharmacy school and telling myself, you know, I'm different because I have a dream, hmm. you know. I'm, I'm not just learning this to graduate and, and get a job and work for corporate America. No, I'm, I'm here because I have a dream. I have a calling to fulfill. Mm. Um, 
But then when I came out of school and I got married, you know, that dream kind of withered away because now the focus is, oh, well, I have to take care of my family. You know, we have to do this for the family. And so a lot of um, the energy that I should have put into myself and developing myself as a woman, it was steered towards other things. Mm. But Mm. the crazy thing is that what was supposed to be the most painful process of my life going through a divorce ended up being the birth of something so magnificent I cannot even put it in words Hmm. you know and I just feel like wow what God has done in these few years I mean it's it's just so incredible it's almost like I feel like you know God is just hang me back kind of Hmm. (laughs) like Hmm. oh my child you've come home okay now let's go this way (laughs) you know this Hmm. is what you were supposed to do but you went off and kind of did your own little thing Hmm. okay now that you've come home like the prodigal son prodigal daughter yeah now that you've come home okay here this is where I'm going to start it's like God Hmm. propelled me you know to where I would have been if I would have started back then you know? Yes. And you know what I love about the story, just as you were kind of talking through this, what kept coming to me was, you know, there's a place in the Bible where it says the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. Mm -hmm. And I think that this story is really encouraging because again, there may be people in the audience listening, thinking that, you know, either I'm too old or I missed the boat. I should have done this younger. I should have done this differently. I've made my mistakes. I think you are a testimony to the fact that when there is a specific calling or purpose that you are created for, Mm -hmm. you can still achieve it, right? Even if you kind of go down a different path for however long it may be, when you come back, (laughs) your calling and your purpose (laughs) are still waiting for you. So I think that's a word of encouragement. So I'm so grateful that you shared that. That's amazing. And and I love how you said that, you know, the most painful part of your life was actually the birthing of something so magnificent and beautiful. There's so many nuggets in this we could, we could <laughs> unpack, and it's, which is great. I love it. But based on that, you've gone through a lot. You've learned a lot. You've succeeded. You've been, you know, less than successful. You know, you've dusted off. You've come back. You're tenacious mm-hmm. based on all that. What piece of advice from an elder, you know, maybe your parent, maybe your dad or an uncle or mentor has stood out to you the most and why? Mm. You know, through my journey, of course, my parents have been, you know, so supportive, solid rocks in my life. But if I may say the one piece of advice that my godmother gave to me, this lady, hmm, Her name is Mary Uchoma Mba. She lives in Sacramento, California. This lady is so wise. And she's my godmother. And she Mm. told me at at the lowest point, the lowest moment in in my life, she said, Ndidi, you don't see it now, but you hold the knife and you also hold the yam. Hmm. I mean, when she said that to me, I was like, what? (laughs) What are you talking about? What does that have to do with what I'm going through? (laughs) You know? But, oh my God. Like, the amount of wisdom in that saying, I I can't even begin to unpack. Mm. 
oh my goodness mm. you, know, you hold the knife and you also hold the yam hmm. you know that means that like anybody who wants something from you anybody who is here to take something from you it's you that will determine what portion they get wow that is yes. so powerful yeah. that is so like you hold what they want and you also hold the power mm. to mm. to decide first of all if they mm. if they are allowed to take anything from yes you. if yes. so you also have the power to determine what portion yes. they get yes you know she told me this wow at a time when I was told that I'm nothing, I'm a nobody, you know, nobody will ever want you. I mean, just the most terrible things that you can tell a human mm, being, mm. you know, especially a woman, especially mm. a black woman, an mm. African woman going mm. through this life with all the challenges that we face. And then you add that on top, mm. you know? So she told me, no, you have to see it from this perspective. You may not understand now, but you hold the knife and you also hold the yam. Wow. Yeah, so wow. everywhere I go to now, I'm like, hey, <laughs> <laughs> this is the knife, this is the yam, <laughs> you know, and, yes. and, and it's not that, um, it's not that you will use it in an abusive or, uh, you know, oppressive kind of way, mm-hmm. no, no mm-hmm. not at all, mm-hmm. so of course, you, you will um, use that, use that power with wisdom, of mm-hmm. course, mm-hmm. you know, um, but it's so that you recognize that you are significant, hmm. you know, mm-hmm. so that you recognize, like, what Dr. Martin Luther King said, he said, no work is insignificant, mm-hmm. all work that it uplifts humanity has mm-hmm. dignity, you know, if you are called to be a street sweeper, sweep yes. the streets just the same way that Shakespeare wrote poetry, the yes. same way that Beethoven composed music, mm. you know, that no work that you do, Ndidi, is insignificant. Mm. And no one should belittle you. No one should put you down. You mm. hold the knife and you hold the yam. I love it. That's so awesome. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) The knife and the yam. Absolutely. Yes. That's the title of this podcast. Yes. You know, it's funny. I was just thinking. The knife and the yam. The knife and the yam. (laughs) Yes. Amazing. Amazing. How can our listeners learn more about you? Because you have products. You have skin products. So talk to us. Yes. Yes. Tell us. Yes. How could people reach you? Your website? social media, etc. But before that, talk to us a little bit about your products as well. Yes. Yeah. You know, so um, one thing that I um, discovered about myself was, you know, from a young age, people used to always tell my mom, you know, oh my God, you should put your daughter in modeling. Mm. Oh, she's so beautiful. This and that. My mom would always, you know, shade it like, no, you know, mm-hmm. my, my daughter is going to become a medical doctor. She's, you know, she's going to be a lawyer, an engineer, you know, yeah, yeah. little did she know, <laughs> you know, um, but the funny thing is that that thing that people used to speak over my life is now coming around full circle. What I discovered about myself, even, you know, actually over the, the last year is that, um, I'm highly attracted to those things. I'm mm. highly attracted to high fashion, mm. to modeling, mm. um, and especially to skincare. Mm. Uh, and so I have, I'm, I, I have uh, 
already formulated a pharmaceutical grade skincare line and I'm in the process of formulating another line. Um, mm. And with this newer line, I plan to target the international market. I have mm. um, some international business opportunities that I'm exploring. Mm. Um, so with the line that I have now, it's easily available on my website or through my website, mm. um, which is olivetreecompounding.com. Mm -hmm. um, I can also be followed on Instagram. Um, my Instagram name is olivetree.skin. And mm -hmm. I also have my personal Instagram, um, which is the olive dot entrepreneur. Mm. Um, I'm also on Facebook. My pharmacy is on Facebook, Olive Tree Compounding Pharmacy in uh, Rio Rancho, New Mexico. Mm -hmm. So I would love to, you know, entertain um, followers and people who are interested. I tried mm -hmm. to put as much information about my products on my website. But if you have questions, please just call me. Mm. Um, my phone number, my contact information, it's all on my website, olivetreecompounding.com. Okay. And I will put all this information in the show notes as well so people can access it. It'll be up there live and they can access all this information. That is amazing. Amazing, amazing. Before we close, I want to make sure that there isn't anything that I've left out. Is there anything that you would like to the listeners to know that I haven't asked you that you would want them to know about? Um, I think the main thing is that, you know, whatever it is, do it well, you know, and mm. what I have found is through servant leadership, we can certainly make our communities, um, you know, our families, our communities, and this world a better place through mm. being empathetic, through mm. being good listeners, through being committed to change. Um, and so whatever you do, do it well, because mm. only you can. Mm. Only you have the calling upon your life that you have. Mm. Um, I cannot answer your call. Mm. You cannot answer mine. So mm. answer your call and do the work that you're called to do. Mm. I love it. There have been so many wonderful nuggets in this chat. Thank you so much, Ndidiamaka. I love Thank this conversation. You. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Did you enjoy this episode as much as I did? I love speaking to these awe-inspiring women that make me so proud. You have to visit the show notes where I provide information on how to purchase Ndidiamaka's products as well as her different social media handles. She is definitely one to follow and I cannot wait to see what she does next. To access the show notes, please visit the website at www.theebo.com slash podcast and click on this latest episode. If you would like to reach me, you can do so via email. My email address is ugochi at theebo.com. Tell your friends about the show. Until next time, speak to you soon. Take care. God bless. Bye-bye.